Okay, if you'd open up to Ephesians chapter 6, we're going to be looking at the full armor of God. Um, probably not going to get all the way through this, um, this, uh, this service, uh, but we're going to start in the full armor of God, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 10. And uh, uh, just one more announcement, too. When, when we have, like, midweek Bible studies, like tomorrow night, we have the John Birch Society meeting, which gives you a lot of good information about the New World Order and all. Uh, that's at 6.30 tomorrow. And then we got the men's Bible study on Wednesday and the ladies on Thursday. Um, if you're not up, usually we, what, what I do is we come in through this back door. But if you're a few minutes late, we're going to keep the outer wooden door unlatched going down the ramp. And there's a bell there. Now, there's a whole bunch of things that look like they might be bells, but it's the, it's the white one that is it's above my head. It's probably even with your chin. And, um, and so just hit that, and the, the bell will ring in all the classrooms and all. We'll, we'll be able to hear it and, and open it up for you. And uh, so just a reminder about that. Tomorrow's meeting will be at, at 6.30 p.m. And, uh, um, and just... Uh, you know, I've been on the phone a lot with, with people who have either gotten COVID or had some of the symptoms and stuff like that. I really appreciate how everybody has communicated with me on that and better safe than sorry. And this is why Alan and Cora, you know, who have tested positive for COVID, they've, they haven't been here for like over a month. And, um, and so really take those protocol real, you know, real in a real serious manner. It looks like a lot of the COVID cases lately are often leading to pneumonia. And so sometimes the people are no longer testing positive for COVID, but they got life-threatening pneumonia. And I'm hearing it among vaccinated people and unvaccinated people. And um, so just be, be careful. If, uh, if you need to take some time off because of... Uh, uh, of your age or, or health issues and stuff like that and just watch us online and then keep in touch with us through emails that would be great it's a it's a crazy crazy time i mean this is you know i've been pastoring for 33 years and it's the first time where i can't visit the sick all we could do is play phone tag and talk on the phone and in fact when my wife goes to emergency i have to they read me a right act just for me to get in there and uh and so, um, so really be in prayer for Alan and Cora, but, um, but just be, be safe. We want to be healthy, and um, uh, we want to be free, but we want to be healthy, and we want to be wise. And, uh, okay, so we'll be starting at Ephesians 6.10. Let's go to the Lord in prayer one more time that he uh, uh, anoints me to preach his word. Father, in Jesus' precious name, I thank you for the people that are here today, and uh, knowing what uh, they know about our church. I don't know why they would be here today unless they wanted to hear your word preached. And so I, I pray, Lord, that they would not be disappointed. I pray that they would not hear the faulty wisdom of man, uh, the faulty reasoning of man. And so I pray, Lord, that you would counsel, that you would cancel uh, the fallible preacher so that your infallible word can be proclaimed. So I prayed, you, Lord, you would anoint me to preach your word. You would fill me with your spirit and, um, so that I would not lead anyone astray, so that I would proclaim your truth. I pray, Lord, that you would open hearts and minds to receive truth from your word and then empower us by your spirit to apply these truths to our lives. 
I pray, Lord, whenever our opinions differ from your word, your truth, we would reject our own opinions and acknowledge that your word is true. Let God be true and every man a liar. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. So Ephesians chapter 6, verses 10 through 20, the full armor of God. We've got handouts there, we've got notes, we've got a little diagram or a little illustration uh, that I pulled down from Google Images. And, uh, and so if that helps you with your study, great. Uh, anytime you want to follow up on what is covered here, everything we do on Sunday morning, that goes out to two Seattle stations. It goes out on the internet, sermonaudio.com. And um, so talk to Pat if you... Uh, if you, you know, either miss a Sunday, you can watch a sermon live and all. But we just want to help you to understand the Word of God. Very, very little of what you hear today, you will remember 10 years from now. Unless you have, like, notes that you've held on to, or unless you can go back to the, the sermon and stuff. So, so it's my hope and my prayer that the, the sermons on Sundays will be something that we'll really look into um, Further on. Now, Paul is wrapping up his letter to the Ephesians, and he's talked so much about the church. Okay? And, uh, and he's talked about not only how we as Christians should live and the power that the church has, you know, the same power that it took God the Father to raise Jesus from the dead, and he told us to walk in love, walk in light, walk in wisdom. He told us how a husband-wife relationship should be, um, how the relationship between the children and the parents should be, and how the relationship between bosses and workers should be. And now we get to the point where Paul's going to talk about um, our relationship with evil spirit entities, how we should deal with that. And he starts out in verse 10 by saying, Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Okay? Be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Now, I was talking the other night uh, to a boxer from Kansas City, and I asked him if he was a, a, a Christian, and he said, yeah, he was. He said, that's... And I invited him to our church and stuff, and so hopefully he'll be here one of the Sundays. We got, we got the fighter from Jersey here. Um, now I just got to get Kansas City on board. But, uh, but um, we were talking about the Lord, and the subject come up, came up that before we became Christians, we thought to become a Christian, you'd have to become weak. Only weak people become Christians. If you're a Christian, you're a wimp. You're not like a tough guy. I grew up in New Jersey. That's what I thought. You know, you got to be bad to be tough and all. But I, I could take an elderly Christian lady in her 90s that can't even walk anymore and have her next to Mike Tyson. Who's got more power? Who's got access to more power? Okay. So we keep looking at things through the eyes of man and we don't see the power that we have access to. You know, I'm going to read a passage from Ephesians if we get to that point. We're earlier on in this book, 
Paul said the same power that it took for God the Father to raise Jesus from the dead is at work in us. Now, does it seem that way? Yeah, you know, I wake up in the morning, I look in the mirror, I see the same, the same guy, only older, okay? Only, uh, yeah, not, you know, the muscles are shrinking and sagging. I see some, uh, some wrinkles where they didn't used to be, it's getting harder to shave. They don't make razor blades to deal with the wrinkles, you know? And uh, I don't look like a powerful guy. I don't feel like a powerful guy, but that's because I'm looking at things through the eyes of the world. And we're supposed to walk by faith, not by sight. Faith in the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. Things looked pretty bad for the Jews when they were backed against the Red Sea. and The Egyptian army was coming after. It looked pretty bad from man's perspective. But our God created the universe. And so he said, I'll just part the Red Sea. My people will go over on dry land, no problem. And then I'll close up the waters when the Egyptian army, if they're dumb enough to, to follow, go after my people. I did my people a favor. You think I'm going to do a favor for you? You're trying to kill my people. And um, so we got to look at things. we got to walk in faith, not by sight. And so Paul tells us, Finally, my brothers, he's saying, this is, look, this is the last theological point I'm going to make in the book of Ephesians. Finally, my brethren, my brothers and sisters in Christ, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Okay? We, God did not call us to be spiritual wimps. Amen. God called us to be powerful in his power. Now, by the way, the world is not impressed by the power of the church. Because the world doesn't see it. Okay? So the powers that be have no problem messing with us. In Canada, quite a few pastors are being, churches are being closed, pastors are being arrested. And the police officers that are arresting them think, man, these guys got no power. I'm telling you, unless you repent, turn to King Jesus. I don't want to be in your shoes on a judgment day if you're messing with his people. You know? I mean, back in Jersey, um, you know, there's were, there, were, there were guys that wouldn't mess with anybody in, in one guy's family for fear of what that one guy could do, because that one guy could throw down. You know? I wouldn't mess with one of Mike Tyson's friends, fearing what Mike Tyson might do to me. But we got powerful people in this world who have the world's power. And they mess with us, the children of the king. So what should we do? We should pray for them. We should pray for them. They're not aware of the power, the omnipotence, the all-powerfulness of the Lord Jesus Christ, the king of kings. But we're supposed to be strong in the Lord. Our strength is in God, not ourselves. Okay? Um, uh, look at Second Timothy. Paul's about to die in 2 Timothy. It's a second Roman imprisonment. This was after the book of, of Ephesians uh, in, in time-wise as well as page numbers. But in 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 7, he's thinking, man, Timothy's just a young guy. I'm not going to be around there to protect him. 
So he's really encouraging him. And in 2 Timothy 1.7, he says to Timothy, and in fact, he says in verse 6, Therefore I remind you to stir up the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. In other words, God has given him a supernatural gift, a spiritual gift. God gives all believers supernatural gifts to do his work, supernatural power. And he says the reason why is verse 7, for God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. There's a lot of fear going on right now. And it's not fear that's going on outside the church, just outside the church. It's fear going on inside the church as well. Fear of losing your job if you don't feel led to get vaccinated. Okay? Um, fear of, uh, of getting in trouble because you don't embrace uh, neo-Marxist ideas like critical race theory. Um, fear of... Um, being slammed because you voted for the wrong candidate as far as the people in positions of power are going. Fear that our churches might be shut down again. We have all kinds of fear. And what does God say? God says the same thing to us that he says to Timothy. God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Some translations there read discipline. Every effective warrior is a disciplined warrior. Okay? So we're going to learn the different aspects of how we can be strong in the Lord when we look uh, at the full armor uh, of God. Joshua 1.9. Look what, look what God told the Jews when they were about to enter the promised land. Now, 40 years earlier, they wimped out. Why did they wimp out? Because there were giants in the promised land. And the Jews were like regular-sized people. Okay? And they thought, man, those giants are going to whoop us. You know, you, you know, you go through the history of mankind, and there's a general truth, not absolute. Every once in a while you get a David who uh, slays Goliath. But a general truth is the, big, the real big guys usually beat up the real little guys when they tangle. Okay? So the Jews were looking at stuff, just mere human wisdom. We're going to get whooped. If we invade the promised land, these guys are way bigger than us. We look like grasshoppers before them. So they wimped out, and it caused them to wander in the wilderness for an extra 40 years. Okay? Now, 40 years later, Joshua and Caleb are leading the Jews. They were the only two of 12 spies who came back with a good report. And said, so, yeah, there's giants in the land, but God will give us the victory. So God allowed those two guys from that generation to live on into the next generation and to conquer uh, the promised land. But Joshua 1.9, Have I not commanded you, be strong and of good courage, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid nor be dismayed, for the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. This is the power that we have. Amen. Phil Fernandez is not a powerful guy because he's Phil Fernandez. Phil Fernandez is a powerful guy because he turned his life over to the Lord Jesus Christ, the lamb who was slain, who happens to be the lion of the tribe of Judah, the king of kings and the lord of lords. 
So the same power that it took God the Father to raise Jesus from the dead is at work in me. Now why don't you see it that much? Because I stifle it. Sometimes you stifle it. We've got to stop stifling God's power in our lives. Now, now, by the way, you know, Bill Gates, the world will say, yeah, well, Bill Gates is one of the most powerful guys in the world. You know, he's got everything money could buy. Um, and so the world doesn't look at us as being powerful. They look in terms of money um, and uh, the, kind of the worldly impact, the worldly in- influence. But God's not looking, he doesn't want us to just look at the 70, 80, 90 years on planet Earth. He wants to look at eternity. And right now there's a cosmic battle going on for the souls of human beings. And we're right in the midst of this battle. Okay? If you are a Christian, if you're trusting in Jesus for salvation, you're in the midst of a war. Now if you don't know you're in the midst of a war... What you're doing is you're just kneeling down in the foxhole with your helmet on and you're, I don't know, maybe, maybe on your smartphone or something, but um, you need to get your head in the game. We all need to get our head in the game. There is a battle for the souls of mankind, this cosmic battle between Satan and his forces and the almighty triune God, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And they're angelic beings. There's a battle going on, and that battleground is a place called planet Earth. Okay? And, um, and you know, our weapons don't look like the world's weapons. You know? Um, I used to like when I used to see a lot of young Christians carrying their Bibles with them wherever they go. It used to really give me a lot of encouragement. And then I felt bad because now almost no young Christians carry their Bibles around. That's because with the smartphone, you can get any translation you want. So don't judge their spirituality if they don't have a, a, a hardbound Bible in their hands. Um, but uh, but that's, that's our offensive weapon right there. We're going to learn about the sword of the spirit. You know, you show, show me a United States Marine who doesn't know how to use his, his M16 or whatever they call it nowadays. Uh, I'll show you a guy who's going to be unemployed real quick. Okay, um, yeah, we have so many Christians who are not grounded in the Bible, not grounded in the Word, and then they're wondering, why am I so ineffective in, um, in my Christian service? So our strength is in God, not ourselves. You don't become a wimp when you accept Christ. 1 John 5, 5 tells us that everyone who believes that Jesus is the Son of God is an overcomer. We're overcomers, okay? Um, you know, I watched Monday Night Football last week because the Raiders were playing. We, we had a, some guy wearing a Chiefs hat. I'm going to forgive him. But, um, um, but that game could have gone either way. It was up and down, up and down. And when the Raiders won, and of course they won, otherwise I wouldn't be talking about it right now, uh, when the Raiders won, you could see their reaction is a lot different than the reaction from the other team. Why? Because if you win, you're the overcomer. So how come we Christians don't act like we're the overcomers? Okay? By the way, there was an exception to that rule. You, see, you saw a lot of sad Ravens and a lot of happy 
Raiders, but at one point, you saw a group of guys being led by Derek Carr, the Raider quarterback, leading them in prayer. And so there are some football players who recognize there's more important things than a football game. Okay? But we are overcomers. Why don't we have the joy of the Lord all the time? We should. But we're often not filled with the Spirit. We're world overcomers. We're told in 1 John 4, 4, greater is he who is in you, that's the Holy Spirit, than he who is in the world. Okay? Um, Now we're going to see that uh, don't, you know, the, the Bible tells us for by grace you have been saved. It's a free gift through faith. That not of yourselves is the gift of God, not as a result of works that no one should boast. So we Christians should never boast in ourselves. You want to boast in yourself? The, the only thing you, you know what the only thing you really earned in your own power? And the only thing I've, I've ever earned in my own power? It, it's a place called hell. Okay? So you would think from that passage, oh, then Christians should be the least boastful people on the planet. No, we should be the most boastful people on the planet. It's just that we don't boast in ourselves. 2 Corinthians 10, 17, but he who boasts, let him boast in the Lord. There's a lot of people who aren't knocking down our doors to come to our churches, probably because we're we're just not bragging about Jesus enough. We've got to brag about Jesus, because greater is he who is in you than he who is in the world. We've got to stop listening to the lies of the world, and we've got to understand where the power is. The power is with King Jesus. So we need to be strong in the Lord. And I'm telling you, as the days get darker, we, the church must be the church. We need to get strong in the Lord. This is a command from Paul to be strong in the Lord which implies that there's a lot of Christians who aren't being strong in the Lord. Okay? Um, You can have a refrigerator filled with food and still starve to death if you don't open the door and go get it. So we're going to be told to put on. We have the righteousness of Christ as a free gift, but we're still told to put on righteousness. We're told to be obedient Put on the full armor of God. We're commanded to be strong in the Lord. Now back in Ephesians 6, verse 11, how can we be strong in the Lord? Paul tells us, put on the whole armor of God. Some translations read, put on the full armor of God, that you will be able to stand against the wiles or the schemes of the devil. Do you wake up in the morning realizing that the devil is scheming against you and against all Christians right now? Looking for ways to throw temptations your way, to drag you down, to have you blow your witness. Okay? And we, we, all, got, we all got weak spots, you know? Um, I grew up in Jersey. I, I had a really bad temper. You know, my, I found out at my mom's funeral, my dad told me, my Dad was sitting on a couch later on that night. He said, she thought you were going to be a murderer. I'm like, who? He said, your mom. And I was like, what in the world are you talking about? And why would she think I was? He said, she she used to cry herself to sleep on my chest that night 
thinking you were going to grow up to be a murderer. And I was like, <laughs> and I, I said, well, why would she think that? He said, well, because of your temper. And I thought, okay, I had anger management issues, but, you know, but my dad would have me plaster up all the holes in the walls after I throw a tantrum, you know, like any other half Italian guy from New Jersey. And, um, and so I thought, okay, she's got one point there. And then he said, and because of her family. Well, the Italian side of my family were some iffy individuals. So she had some, some genuine, genuine concerns. So I've understood that after becoming a Christian, I've got to work hard through the power of God to turn the other cheek. It doesn't come natural to me. Marie Corps boot camp helped me a lot. It was the first time in my life where guys made fun of my mother and my family. They're called drill instructors. And... I was able not to hit them. Now, I had some good incentive. They were big guys. But, um, but turning the other cheek. So I, so I try to remove myself from situations where uh, I might have anger management issues. Okay? But there's also uh, sometimes where we're strong. The areas where we don't get tempted much. Don't drop your guard. God never said of me or of you, there's a man after my own heart. God said that of David, and David still was two bad decisions away from murder and adultery. He couldn't even trust in God's law because God law, God's law says, yeah, I should be killed twice. Okay, I'm the king of Israel. I'm not going to give that order. And, um, and so he had to throw himself at the mercy of God. And said, blessed is the man whose sins are forgiven. Um, just, just look at the very next book, Philippians 3.3. 3. Philippians 3.3. 3. For we are the circumcision. Paul implies, and it comes out in some translations, for we are the true circumcision. Not outwardly circumcised, but are circumcised in the heart. For we are the true circumcision who worship God in the spirit, rejoice in Christ Jesus, and have no confidence in the flesh. So a, a lot of us, where we're weak, we're always aware of that. And we say, God, give me strength. God, I'm going to stay out of that situation. This guy gets on my nerves. I don't want to hit him. Give, give me out of that situation. I have a hard time turning the other cheek. But then an area we think we're strong, we might drop our guard. Anytime we tell, we tell the Holy Spirit, you know what, just stay on the sidelines. I've got the ball. This is one of my strong areas. I'll do fine without you. Um, you're setting yourself up for a fall. Okay? So we have got to remember that our strength comes from the Lord and not from ourselves. We can put no confidence in the flesh, no confidence in yourself. Okay? Put on the whole armor of God that you may be able to stand against the schemes of the devil. You know, in Luke 22, we don't have time to turn here, God was, uh, Jesus was telling Peter, Satan has demanded to sift you like wheat. And you're going to betray me tonight. But I've prayed that once you repent and get back on track, that you're going to shepherd the sheep, that you're going to shepherd the brethren. You think it's only Peter? That Satan wants to sift like wheat? Any one of us here 
If you have signed on with the Lord Jesus, if you have proclaimed the Lord Jesus to be your Lord and Savior, you have declared war against Satan's kingdom, whether you know it or not. And you are on his hit list. And he would love to sift you like wheat. He would love nothing more than for you to go out tomorrow and just blow it. Blow your witness with your co-workers. Blow your witness with, with uh, others in your life, with your family members, whatever it may be. You know, Peter says that Satan goes around, prowling around like a, like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. If you think, well, he's not coming after me, I mean, who am I? Well, if that's true, then you're that guy in the foxhole that's crouched down, you know, doesn't even realize you're in battle. But if you take your walk with the Lord seriously, Satan wants to bring you down and bring you down hard. Okay? And, um, and so how are we going to be strong in the Lord? By putting on the full armor of God. This means being a well-balanced Christian. Putting on the full armor of God actually means putting on Jesus Christ. Look at Romans 13. Romans 13, verses 12 to 14. The Apostle Paul says this, The night is far spent, the day is at hand. Therefore, let us cast off the works of darkness, and let us put on the armor of light. What is the armor of light? Let us walk properly as in the day, not in revelry and drunkenness, not in lewdness and lust, not in strife and envy, but put on the Lord Jesus Christ and make no provision for the flesh to fulfill its lust. See, putting on the full armor of God is putting on the armor of light. The light of spiritual truth, the light of spiritual purity, putting on the armor of of God is putting on the armor of light, which equals putting on the Lord Jesus Christ. You know what Phil Fernandez's problem is? He looks too much like Phil Fernandez and not enough like Jesus. Okay? I, I remember when I first got saved, it was in the Catholic charismatic movement, um, tough Catholic priest, Italian guy from uh, Chicago, Father Chuck Laverde. He saw me, he saw us, we used to wear tight shirts, trying to show off my muscles, and I had a semi-Mohican haircut, and uh, thought I was a tough guy, I had my Marine Corps tattoo, and um, he looked at me, and they, they called me Ferno back then, so he said, Ferno, who, who was the strongest man who ever lived? And I thought, I know the answer to that, because my dad used to teach me about the Bible. So I stood there real proud, and, uh, and I said, Samson. And he just shook his head. He said, no, like he pitied me. He said, Jesus. It's Jesus, Ferno. When you hear the word power, what do you think? Do you think Samson? Maybe you think Goliath? Maybe you think some NFL linebacker? But when you hear the power... Do you think Jesus and those whose lives have been changed by Jesus 
like Corey Tamboom. Okay? Think of the biggest, baddest dude in the NFL right now. Okay? If he's not sold out to Jesus, he's got nowhere near the power that Corey Tamboom had. This little elderly lady that had the power to take on the Nazis and save the lives of innocent people through her faith in, in Christ. And so we are strong in the Lord by putting on the full armor of God, and this means putting on Jesus Christ. Even John the Baptist said of Jesus, when they, when they told him, don't you realize a lot of people are leaving you and following Jesus? You know, every once in a while I get people that will leave our church to start a church or to help out with another church where the church needs help and we don't need that particular help. And I feel real bad because it's like you lose part of your heart. You feel like your family's being disrupted. But I got to understand, look, I got to say with John the Baptist, he must increase and I must decrease. And um, so it's all about Jesus. We got to become more like Jesus and less like ourselves so that we'll be able to stand firm against the devil's schemes. He's plotting against us right now. Uh, now, we do not have authority over Satan, God's highest creation. He was created more intelligent and way more powerful than us. We don't have authority over him except through Jesus Christ. Okay? And um, look, at, uh, look at Jude, the second to last book in the Bible. Jude verses 8 and 9. Now, Jude, the half-brother of Jesus, is refuting false teachers who thought they were powerful guys. If they had any spiritual power, it would have been demonic spiritual power. These were not true believers. They were, these were false teachers and false prophets. And so Jude's speaking out against them. He calls them dreamers. Uh, they, they think they're spiritual giants, but they're false teachers. Verses 8 and 9 of Jude, he says, Likewise, also these dreamers defile the flesh. They're in, uh, probably sexually immoral. Reject authority and speak evil of dignitaries. What he's talking about is these guys badmouth angelic beings who are way more powerful than them in, in intelligence and in, and in power. But then he says, yet Michael the archangel. This is, like the, this is like the big kahuna among the angels. Man, this guy's way up there, way up on the food chain. Yet Michael the archangel, in contending with the devil, with Satan, when he disputed about the body of Moses, what does that mean? I don't know. I mean, it was, it was mentioned, the discussion about it in extra-biblical literature. Apparently, there was a debate about the body of Moses, and, you know, God's word does say that Moses saw the promised land from a mountaintop, never entered the promised land, and then he buried him. The only other he on a mountaintop with him was the Lord. So Moses' burial, there's, something was going on there, but apparently the devil wanted the body, and Michael the archangel said no. But when they, 
disputed about the body of Moses, Michael the archangel dared not bring against him a reviling accusation, but said, the Lord rebuke you. So Michael the archangel said, you know, hey, dude, I'm not going to fight you in my own strength. I'm going to call on the Lord to rebuke you. And so what Jude is saying uh, is the, these false teeth, don't, don't think you can take on these high-ranking spirit entities in your own power, in your own strength. They will tear you apart. So when you oppose them, when you resist them, when you combat them, you fight them in the name and in the power of the Lord. Okay? Um, Jesus could just walk up and cast out a demon. If God's calling you to cast out a demon, you better cast out that demon in Jesus' name. You probably better have been fasting and praying, and you better really mean it, that you're casting out the demon in the name and the authority of the Lord Jesus Christ. And by the way, do not engage in any high-level spiritual battle unless God has called you to it. Okay? So if you're kind of sliming in your walk Monday through Saturday on Sunday, uh, I would not go to, uh, you know, to uh, cast out a demon. I, you, gotta, you better get things right. I get on the phone and call somebody who's strong in the Lord. Okay? Um, sometimes we just, you know, we're out of God's spirit, we turn a light switch and we're in God's spirit. It usually doesn't work that way. More times than not, you turn the, you turn the switch on, nobody's home. Okay? So you got to walk in the spirit, be filled with the spirit. Start each day studying the Bible and in prayer and getting close to the Lord. And um, so we don't have authority over Satan in our own strength. We only have authority over Satan through uh, Jesus Christ. It's amazing. Satan was basically, it seems to me, he was the highest ranking created thing. Didn't like God's plan that someday fallen humans would get saved and would stand in judgment on the angels in the hereafter. Didn't like that idea. Led a rebellion um, against God. But some of his titles are almost identical. Some of his titles before he fell. Like the enlightened one and son of the morning, the morning star. Almost identical to some of Jesus' titles. So keep in mind, Jesus is God the Son, second person of the Trinity, the creator of the world, but by becoming a man, he added to human nature and he became part of the creation. And by being obedient to the Father through his death and resurrection, God exalted him. Jesus humbled himself by becoming a man. God the Father exalted him so that at the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. Not might. Every knee shall bow. You see, with uh, President Obama, with the, the Pope, with every person, Bill Gates, it doesn't matter. The question is not, is Bill Gates going to bow before Jesus? That's settled. Bill Gates is going to bow before Jesus. The only question, are you going to voluntarily bow now? And trust in him for salvation? Or are you going to involuntarily bow just because of his sheer power? 
when he returns as the lion of the tribe of Judah, uh, the king of kings, um, and, and the Lord of lords. And um, so um, we have got to acknowledge, it's just like a, a police officer doesn't have the power to stop a moving vehicle that's going 60 miles an hour. He can't stop that vehicle in his own power. But if he blows his whistle, he's wearing a uniform, he's got a badge, he's got a gun, and he holds out his hand, uh, that, that vehicle will probably come to a screeching halt. And it's not because of the police officer, it's because of the authority of the law that's invested in him. So if you confront a demon-possessed person, and, uh, and in the name and the power of the Lord Jesus Christ, you cast that demon out, it's not because that demon was intimidated by you. Okay? I don't expect even lower-level demons to be intimidated by Phil Fernandez. But I know even the highest-ranking fallen angels, Satan included, tremble when they're in the presence of my king. When I... You know, as a new believer in the Marine Corps, I had to uh, confront a Satan worshiper in another platoon, and he outranked me too, which made it even tougher. But when I confronted him, I told him, my master created your master. So when we get together, I will talk, and you will listen. Do you understand me? And he, his eyes got watery. He was like, Whew. he was holding a pool stick, and he's like, Whew. If I was a new believer, so then I went back to the barracks and I was laying down in bed and I said, man, Jesus, me and you whooped them, man. We're a, we're a great team. And so I had the two worst weeks of my walk with the Lord. I couldn't read, couldn't, I could not focus whenever I tried to read the Bible. It was like the words were moving. And uh, two weeks and I thought, I don't know what's going on. I got no desire to, to serve Jesus or read his word. And then I woke up one night, Marine Barracks banger in a cold sweat, and like I was having a nightmare, and I woke up, and there was a voice in my head that sounded like my voice, except it was saying things about Satan that should only be said of Jesus. And I actually got the joy of the Lord at that point, because I realized, hey, it's not me. I'm being attacked. And I got on my knees, and I begged the Lord for forgiveness for my pride. I picked up the Bible, and I enjoyed reading it again. The next morning, the guy who had told me about the, the corporal who was doing this, the Satan worship, the guy who told me about it, he was kind of a backslidden Christian. His name was Thompson. And he, uh, he said, uh, Lance Corporal Ferno, uh, um, Corporal so-and-so, I don't want to mention the guy's last name, but Corporal so-and-so uh, is still casting, my friends from the other platoon said he's still casting spells on you. And so I told him, I said, I know, I found out last night. And he just went, ooh, and he just kind of, he just kind of walked away. But I'm sure he got things right with Jesus after that. But, um, but whatever the case, you, you got to pray before, you got to pray during, and you got to pray after. Okay. Every time somebody compliments you, thank them because they're encouraging you. Thank them. But either reply with something or at least think about, you know, something that acknowledges that where you 
you intentionally acknowledge that anything that good that could be said about Phil Fernandez or about you, those are the changes that Jesus made in our lives. Okay? Always give him the glory. Okay? And, um, um, you know, I remember once I, a guy preached a message, but he kept talking about me, and an elderly lady walked up, and he, he kept talking about, well done, now good and faithful servant, but he used me as a different illustration. An elderly lady is at another church, told me, uh, that's, what, that's what Jesus is saying about you right now. Well done, thou good and faithful servant. And I, I smiled and thanked her, but I immediately thought, lady, I ain't dead yet. <laughs> There's, uh, you know, persevering doesn't mean, that was like 10 years ago, persevering doesn't mean persevere until you're 51. It means persevere until you go back to be with Jesus. And, and believe me, um, what, how old was Noah? Noah was, lived to be like over 900, but how old was he when he blew it, got drunk and naked? It's like, you know, um, you know, you could show me some godly 92-year-old retired preacher. He could still blow it tomorrow. So forget about this well done, thou good and faithful servant until the battle's over. Okay? We got to be faithful and persevere, and we're only going to do that if we have the full armor of God on, and then we stand against the schemes of the devil. Now, the reason for all of this is verse 12. For we do not wrestle. Um, some Christians stop right there. They put a period. We do not wrestle. We don't battle at all. You know, we just kind of slime through life. No, we, we're, we're in a war. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of the darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in the heavenly places. Okay? So first we're told that our struggle is not against flesh and blood. Now, I can list for you, you know, we could be here all day, but I could list for you all the garbage that is being thrown at the church and at freedom-loving Americans today by people in positions of power. You know, how the government wants to shut down our economy, wants to force us to have medical procedures and rather than letting us make the choice. How they want to teach critical race theory in the schools and have one race hate another race. Okay? Um, and then if you don't do that, I think, I think the day's going to come. I don't... I think we're going to just shut down Christian schools because we don't teach atheistic evolution and we don't teach critical race theory. We teach that God loves all mankind and that desires us all to be saved. That You're considered a racist if you say that now. So all of a sudden, we're the bad guys. And I could talk about the politicians who would love, some of them would love to have us locked up or just have us executed right now. And I'm not talking about, you know, Iraq or Iran or, or Saudi Arabia. I'm talking about United States of America. We got some leaders that would love us out of the way. Just, just cancel culture. Even, even an, an, an atheist uh, political activist, uh, Stefan Molyneux, I don't agree with everything he says, but he said cancel culture is just a dress rehearsal to genocide. What he's saying is, if they can just block 
people they don't like and say, no, your freedom of speech, boom, you're canceled. Oh, we don't like you? You can't play in the NFL anymore. Or you can't have your job anymore. If they could just cancel people like that, this is what the Nazis were doing. Ten years before they were putting innocent human beings into ovens. Okay? And, and so, man, I, could, I can list so much that is going on. We all can. So much is going on that um, my, my enemy is this, uh, this political official, that political official, this multi-billionaire, uh, this guy over here. I, I can list all, and we're listing all these flesh and blood enemies, and we're going on and on, and we're saying all these situations that we're going through in this world, these guys are out to get me because I'm a Christian. Those guys are out to get me. This is coming down. And we can build up all this fear or we can trust in the Lord. But even as we trust in the Lord, we got to recognize that our struggle, our battle, is not against flesh and blood. So it doesn't matter if it's Julius Caesar or Joseph Stalin, okay? Um, they're not the problem. The problem are the high-ranking, fallen, angelic beings who are in rebellion against God and working through these people. Okay? And um, I think it would be an overstatement to say that the battle's being fought, you know, the battle is being fought between God and the angels who, who have not fallen and uh, against Satan and the uh, angels that fell with them. Yes, that is the battle. Uh, and it's over the souls of mankind, that is all true. It's an overstatement to say that we're just pawns in it, but it's almost that. Okay? So that these godless, blaspheming political leaders that hate Christianity, okay, um, the, the real enemy are the demonic powers that are behind them. Now, am I saying don't get involved in political action? No, we, we live in a free country. We have a lot more political say than Paul. He was even a Roman citizen. He had very little political say. I'm not saying don't get involved, but just keep in mind. You know, because if Christians aren't going to stand against tyranny and try uh, to, to save human lives, what do we expect the atheists to do that? So sure, we've got to get politically involved. Sure, we've got to be aware of the schemes of the devil. So we've got to see this push towards global government, this push towards a new world order. It's all demonic. But while we're fighting that battle, we've got to remember who we're really fighting. It's not you fighting some neo-Marxist politician. It's you, hopefully through the power of God, fighting the demons that are controlling him. Okay? So we fight these battles. But as we fight these battles, we realize we're not battling against flesh and blood. In fact, I would even argue the world really doesn't hate us personally. Just like when I was in law enforcement, I'd write a guy a ticket, and he'd start cursing at me. I never took it personal. The guy doesn't even know who I am. If he got to know me, he'd probably like me. Maybe. Who knows? Um... But his problem wasn't with me. His problem was with the law 
and his inability to keep the law. And, um, and the world doesn't hate us personally, but they're in rebellion against God. So they rebel against the Spirit of God dwelling in us. Okay? Um, the lost are not our enemies, the demons are. But Jesus did tell us, John 15, 18, if you find the world hates you, know that it has hated me before it hated you. So that the, our battle is not against flesh and blood, it's against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. The demonic forces um, uh, that are found uh, from the spirit of the world, the spirit of this age that invade and corrupt the world system and those caught up in it. But believe me, when I study the scriptures and I get to Revelation 13, I see that the spirit of the, of this, uh, of the world, the way the world thinks, the way it's controlled by the demonic realm, and you look at Satan's schemes, you see the, the final stages of his plan unfolding in the book of Revelation. And when you have the Antichrist demanding that he be worshipped, what you have is what I call the deification of the state. It's the death of man and the deification of the state. Um, you know, C.S. Lewis talked about the abolition of man. Francis Schaeffer talked about the death of man. What they're talking about is government getting so big and so controlling and so anti-Christian that they treat humans like subhumans. And so the final stage is going to be global government headed by a demon-possessed man, the Antichrist, and his demon-possessed right-hand man, the false prophet. It's the deification of the state. Well, if we're not aware of the schemes of the devil, we might even help build the deification of the state. Deification of the state, instead of turning to the Lord, who sometimes works through our churches, our families, our friends, ourselves, human responsibility, instead of looking to the Lord to solve our problems, we're told any problem you got, turn to the state. We're treating the state as if it's God, it's worship of the state. So the demonic forces right now, the spirit of, the, of this age, is, has invaded and corrupted the world system and those caught up in it. This is why Daniel talked about high-ranking demonic entities controlling the ancient Babylonian Empire and the ancient Persian and Greek empires. So we look at Alexander the Great and say, well, he was in charge of Greece. Not really. It was the demonic forces that were in charge uh, of him that controlled uh, his thinkings. Now, many intellectuals of our day do not believe in the spiritual realm. I, I think um, I would not be surprised if some of the people walking on the street that are talking to themselves, sometimes it's just they're not on their meds. Okay? In the 1970s, we used to put people in institutions. They weren't always treated well. Geraldo Rivera revealed that. Uh, but some people only take their meds if you force them to take their meds. But some people walking around, they, they even walk right by here. You hang out late at night. That's why we got to lock the doors. Some of the people that are having an argument with themselves and nobody else is around. And they're cursing all over the place and screaming. And um, You can't tell me that all of those people just have a chemical imbalance. You know, if our psychological community does not believe in the spiritual realm, they're just going to take a demon-possessed person 
and just try to try to medicate them. And I've had counseling sessions with people who hear voices in their heads, and they were hearing the voices in their head before they got on medication. But the world of the occult, drug abuse, sexual immorality, sexual immorality and drug abuse in ancient times, that was considered sorcery, pharmakia. It's only in modern days, which we see this as just kind of like, uh, we try to define them in a secular way, okay? But paganism has its own immoral system. Christianity has its own moral system. And so in a country that was founded on Christian principles, when it acts more and more like the pagans acted, we got to stop and ask. I don't even think we're, not only are we no longer a Christian nation, we're no longer a secular atheistic nation, I would argue that now we are a neo-pagan, a newer form of paganism, and we're seeing the return of the ancient gods. So we must realize there are demons, and they are more powerful than us in our own strength, and so we must look to Jesus for protection and, and victory. The greatest battle of all time is being fought right now between the spiritual forces of good and evil. The battlefield is the planet Earth, uh, to a certain degree, mankind almost pawns. We've got free will, but once you give up control to the demonic realm, they will come in and take control. We've got to understand that uh, now the, the demons, there is a debate about, and it's been around for thousands of years, whether the demons are fallen angels or if they're the disembodied spirits of the Nephilim when the high-ranking sons of God cohabited with female humans and produced the race of giants, the flood wiped them out. But what happened to their spirits? Uh, many Jews in ancient times believed, in fact, many Christians in ancient times believed that they are the demons, the unclean spirits that roam the earth, and that the fallen angels, most of them still hang out in heaven. Just read Revelation 12. A third of them came down to try to kill baby Jesus, and uh, there's going to be war, Michael the Archangel and his angels, and uh, Satan and his angels, and then they're going to be kicked out of heaven for good. So yeah, they do mess with us now and then, but these unclean spirits could be disembodied spirits uh, of the Nephilim. For pra all practical purposes, it doesn't matter whether they're fallen angels or disembodied spirits uh, of the Nephilim, because they're evil spirits. And they're more intelligent than us and more powerful than us if we look at ourselves in our own strength. But you bring Jesus into the picture, they lose. They lose. Verse 13 in Ephesians 6, Therefore take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day and having done all, to stand. We need to resist in the evil day. The evil day is now. Paul even says that in Ephesians 5, 15 and 16, that we need to redeem the time because the days are evil. Uh, we need to resist, to meet any force with the contrary one, to oppose it, to withstand, to strive against. Uh, it means to fight back, not to flee. The evil day is now. After the battle's over, what do we do? We still need to stand firm. Don't drop your guard like I did when I was a new believer. Um, the war uh, is still on. And so uh, let's close with James 
chapter 4. So we'll get into the specifics of the full armor of God in the next sermon that I preach on this. James chapter 4, verses 7 and 8. James says this, Therefore submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. Cleanse your hearts, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. And in other words, we can resist the devil if we are strong in the Lord. Okay? Uh, as long as... As we draw near to God, He will draw near to us. He will empower us. We can take on the demonic realm. We can resist them through the power of the Lord. And the devil will flee from us, just like Jesus. When, when Jesus was tempted three times, what did He do? Every time, every time Jesus opened His mouth, it was the Word of God, because Jesus is God. He could have said, Mom, could I have another sandwich? That's the Word of God, because he's, he's God incarnate speaking. But instead, when he was on earth, what did he choose to do to resist temptation? He got tempted three times, and three times he quoted scripture. He quoted from uh, the book of Deuteronomy. When we, when we look at the full armor of God, uh, our only offensive weapon is the sword of the Spirit, is the word of God. So let's be people of prayer this week. Let's be people of God's word this week. Let's resist the devil by submitting to God and drawing near to God. Our power, the, the power that we have, the spiritual power we have, is not in ourselves. It is in the Lord. And so, as, as Paul says, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. And I'm telling you, days are getting dark. If you're not trusting in the Lord's strength, you are going to be trampled on. Okay? Believe me, even if we get in prison for preaching Jesus, we got more power in that prison cell than whoever's sitting in a White House, than whoever's sitting in a mansion. Um, the Lord, we are overcomers through the infinitely powerful overcomer, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the Lord Jesus Christ. And so no matter how bad things get, don't fear have the joy of the Lord. Because our king is good. Our king has won. And our king is coming back. Let's close with a word of prayer. Father, in Jesus' precious name, we just thank you, Lord, for your word. And, um, and I, I pray, Lord, that each and every one of us here, that we would acknowledge we're sinners. We can't save ourselves. And that we would acknowledge that Jesus is Lord and Savior. That he died on the cross for our sins. He took our punishment for us. And then he bodily rose from the dead to conquer death for us. And that the day will come when he will come back and take his stand upon the earth. He'll rescue his followers and he'll defeat his enemies. And so I pray, Lord, that we would all trust, not in ourselves, not in anyone else, but that we would all trust in Jesus alone for salvation. And we would worship him as our God. And that we would submit to him, for he is our Lord. And so I pray, Lord, that you would help us to put on the full armor of God. 
so that we would be equipped for a battle that is not against flesh and blood, but against the spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. And so I pray, Lord, that uh, we would live each and every day, not in our own strength, but in the strength of you and the strength of the all-powerful God. Equip us, Lord, for the difficult times that are ahead so that uh, we will be faithful day by day, so that we will trust in you and your power, and so that we will persevere to the end, so that one day when your son, the Lord Jesus, comes back, he will say to us, Well done, thou good and faithful servant. In Jesus' precious name we pray. Amen. Running through fields of green at night.